0: You know, it's one thing to want to change the way that people live, but you want to change how they think, how they feel. All I'm saying is that change will happen with love, not with killing. Either way, it's dangerous. It's against Rome, it's against the way the world is. And killing or loving, it's all the same. It simply doesn't matter how you want to change things. We don't want them changed. You do understand what has to happen. A space for you up on Golgotha. Three thousand skulls there by now. Probably more. God. I do wish you people would go out and count them sometime. Maybe you'd learn a lesson.
1: Welcome to the Stuff We've Seen. This is Jim. And now, here he is. Storm Chaser Teal. Uh, you, you, I'm sure
0: you remember. Everyone remembers the movie Twister. Yes. And it was kind of a big deal when it came out. Like, uh, you know, it, it got a... It, it, like, real-life storm chasers suddenly were on the news all the time, and... Uh, the the movie in, it did have an effect on sort of the national conversation for a few weeks, and uh, I kind of liked that movie when I first saw it. I've never seen it since. You've only seen
1: it one time. I saw it one time in the theater, and I thought it was kind of fun. I've seen it, you know, a couple times at home as well because you know little kids they all love to see the the Twister stuff, right? Um, but I knew about storm chasing for a few years before that. Because oh, yes, yes. I was making a little bit of a joke, but you actually, <laughs> when you were in your early 20s, you were a little obsessed with storm chasing and you would talk to me at length about it and your desire that you'd love to kind of <laughs> give it all up and go out into the Midwest and chase storms. And we just didn't have the funds to get the equipment. And the exactly.
0: Car. But it did seem like a really fun thing to do at the time.
1: what well, did spend some time uh, mentally thinking about how... I could make that happen <laughs> with you, but it
0: didn't. And, it, you know, it's actually it's, it's good, though, because Twister is a film of the 90s. <laughs> it is a film of the
1: 90s when Helen Hunt reigned supreme.
0: When, yeah. And I, it was also at a very interesting time for special effects.
1: They were making that switch to digital.
0: Yeah. And it, so it, it's partially digital, partially practical and probably, uh, yeah, I mean, not uh, it probably not optical effects at that point. But
1: no, but I do remember that, you know, when I saw that at the time, it seemed like, whoa, the yeah. digital effects are pretty amazing. Special effects. We could start to sort of benchmark. Wow noticeable improvements to the point where when i'd see some of the special effects i would say wow you know it just looks kind of real. It doesn't even look like a special yeah. effect anymore. Um, somewhere around 1999, that started changing where people got a little too gung-ho yep. with digital, and now it really didn't look real. I'm talking to you, George Lucas and uh, I was Menace. just I was just going <laughs> to say, oh, yeah. I remember. I mean, we've talked about it before, but I remember that time going to see that screening and my brain just trying to process, like, this doesn't look real. Yeah. It this looks This just fake. doesn't quite work. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. that, like, final
0: battle, it's really bad. Oh, oh, yes. That final battle is terrible.
1: And, and you know what's so funny is that if you watch, like, uh, Clone Wars on Disney, you know, the, the, the series. The my, TV show, yeah. My, little, uh, my oldest, when he was younger, he was obsessed with that show. Yes. Um, and now my youngest is
0: catching up. He's watching yep. it from the beginning. Exact same thing here. Yep. So
1: the digital effects in that digital show look sometimes more realistic than Phantom Menace. Yes, that's true. Yes, <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, it, yeah, in a, in a in a
0: cartoon, a cartoon looks more realistic. Yeah, yeah. you know,
1: it's been uh, it's been twenty years. Doesn't George Lucas like to go in and re-edit his favorites? So couldn't he just do all the special effects over in the trilogy?
0: I've thought about that, and then but it would really you know now that it's
1: Disney, Disney would have to do that. Well, here's the thing, and I'm not kidding. If all the special effects were upgraded, okay, yeah. and because it's digital and you can just replace things if they replaced the jar jar binks character with another character in its spot (laughs) that wasn't jar jar Binks, was a little bit more tolerable and then if they replaced hayden christensen with a different actor Right, that actually could act. It could be so. It would improve it. It would never be a classic, but it, it would definitely be improved because those are the big those are the big problems.
0: Can we get rid of Jake Lloyd too? While oh we're at well, he. I feel bad for that kid. I do too. I
1: mean, yeah. I know he's had a hard like you know early adulthood. And, yeah, uh, diagnosed schizophrenic, and you know he didn't ask for this. I mean, well, his mom yeah. probably put him in the movie, but it's bad. I mean, when he goes in and he's flying, uh, you know, a, a spacecraft that you think. Will only an adult is could fly and he's David. that's horrible
0: it's horrible and yeah that that sequence basically ruined i mean the movie was already ruined but that when he, when he's flying around in the ship at the end and he blows up the yes. base or something it's so it's so awful it
1: represents the absolute worst of what George Lucas has ever done
0: yes yeah it, it absolutely does
1: it's the one part that even when i was watching it at the beginning like in you know when i saw it opening night 1999 yeah. i couldn't forgive him for that yeah it was awful and i didn't mind the pod race for some reason i could buy him as a pod race a little scrappy kid yeah uh, but I, I could buy him as a pod
0: racer, but not as a fighter pilot. And especially since he blows up and and he says things like, I know I'll go into a spin now. That'll be fun. I, I hate. Yeah, he
1: telegraphs. Yes. And that's what a little. And I guess that's what like a little kid does, because my kids, as they grew up, they enjoyed the Phantom Menace. Probably for that reason because it's so kid oriented.
0: It is so kid oriented, yeah.
1: Oh boy. All right. So we're not gonna this is not what the show is about today. No. But. Uh, <laughs> <it's not. laughs> but but you know, first first before we get into the program, I just wanted to do a quick little shout out again to our guest last week, Carrie Chalmers, because yeah. I thought she was fantastic and I really enjoyed our time and I thought it was a great episode.
0: Yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah, she was great,
1: and I really hope that uh, as a result of it, some people were intrigued to check out Portrait of Lady on Fire uh, and watched it.
0: I know one of our listeners was intrigued enough to watch it.
1: Yeah, and he liked it a lot.
0: And he liked it a lot. Yep. Yeah. So
1: see, we're 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 getting people one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So you know, guess what? So yeah, so I'm I'm assuming you haven't seen anything in the theater. <laughs>
0: i have not seen anything in the theater i uh, okay while we're on the subject i just quick rant a rant okay Uh, it's not much of a rant but you know there's a lot of movies that are going uh direct to video on demand
1: right movies like the crappy movies for the winter that you probably weren't going to go out to the theater and see in the first place but now you can see them for (laughs) twenty (laughs) dollars
0: but now uh, you can see them for twenty dollars for a 24-hour rental My kids are interested in this Trolls World Tour movie.
1: Oh, yeah. We actually watched the trailer because we – not that we were seriously going to think of paying $20 for that, but we thought, well, let's see how much we don't want to watch it for $20. So, we watch a trailer, and I remember at the end, I was like, that's horrible. My wife was like, hey, not bad. And my littlest said, (laughs) well – if you guys are renting it, I would watch it. And I said, Yeah, not for $20. We're not going to rent it. That's exactly what
0: I said. Not for, I mean, they're not super interested, but they're like, Hey, uh, I don't know, Trolls movie. I'll watch that. Right. They're not super excited about it. They're not like, they're not willing to put their allowance money into it.
1: What's the what's the window between when it's twenty dollars and when it's five dollars to rent online? And how pissed are you that you missed the window by right. a day or a week? You're like right. rent it, and the next week it's for five dollars. That's the problem.
0: That's the problem. And uh, here's the thing: I would pay ten dollars.
1: I wouldn't even do that. Not you know, me. I would pay maybe ten dollars for something,
0: but not. That well, money. I'm not sure about the. I'm not 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 necessarily the trolls movie, but I would pay ten dollars. To video on demand, maybe a movie that's, you know, not going to the theater right now. I would I would consider $10, but $20 is out of the question. I think it's the wrong price point, but maybe people are buying it.
1: Well, especially for because of like due to this COVID-19 thing. Because yeah. see, to me, if I really, really, really want to see a film, like a mainstream movie, I want to see it in the theater. That's just always what it is. For and sure, yeah. Say it was like the last week, like say it was just kicking around for months for some reason. Yeah. And I never got to see it. Um, and that happened, actually, when I saw Jojo Rabbit and Knives Out. I was just yep. a couple of weeks away from being able to rent it for 5 or $6 yeah. on demand. But you
0: had the chance to see it in the theater.
1: Right. And so even though I went and saw those in the theater and just a few weeks later I could have seen them, you know, much cheaper, it didn't bother me because I was getting a theater experience. Right. But if I was to see those films early uh, for $20 online and then the next week or two right. it was then i'd be really angry because there is no difference
0: yes and <laughs> here's the other thing my local multiplex is so cheap right that I can take us all to the movies and get
1: popcorn for uh, like $24. Yeah. So you could spend, you could spell, you could, you could make popcorn and yes, you yeah. could sit on your couch and you could all watch the trolls and you have a big projector and stuff. Yes. Yeah. But for some strange reason. It's not the same. Right. I, I like, yeah, like, oh, like a month later, the bill comes to the, <laughs> for the credit card and you're like, oh, what? I spent what? $20 <laughs> oh, on, on trolls? World well, tour? Yeah.
0: That's insane. It's, a, it's, a, it's totally insane, but I would consider ten dollars.
1: Yep. So, like for instance, if they had made the decision that look, this COVID's not going to go away. We're not going to. We don't want right. to push our releases, and we're going to the James Bond movie. We're going to release this way. Uh, that's the one movie where if I really wanted to see it, and now I know it's not going to be in the theaters ever. I might pay the 20 Oh, did
0: they decide that never in the theater? No, no,
1: no. I'm using it as an example of when would I have decided oh, to have right. paid the $20. But I mean, The Invisible Man. No, 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 You no. know, like these are movies that they're. it's a scam. They're trying to scam us by like, hmm, let's see if people pay $20 for shitty movies just so they can watch it at home.
0: Now, there is a movie that's getting a lot of press uh, because of this in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, it was released about three days before things shut down. Was this The Hunt? No, not the hunt. And this movie made, I think, $16,000 in the
1: theaters. (laughs) Which one was this one?
0: It is called um, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always.
1: I feel like I know what this is.
0: It is a little tiny independent film directed by a woman about uh, some teenage girls going to New York to get an abortion.
1: Oh, I saw. So I'd heard about this. Right. Yeah. And I looked at the trailer. That looks horrible.
0: Okay. I didn't look like at the trailer. It looks, I hard. Just it looks
1: like independent movie crap. I'm sorry. It just okay. does. It does. It looks like, hey, let's, 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 let's take a story and make it really, really complicated and fill it with a lot of adventures. Um, and we'll call it an independent movie. No, 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 no. I, I have no, I
0: didn't see the trailer. I don't, I just know that the movie's been getting press. <sighs>
1: It just, you know, I the last one of those, like, I Need an Abortion movies I saw was this one where this girl, uh, her grandmother's played by Lily Tomlin, and she goes oh. trying to get money from her grandma, and her grandma doesn't have any money, and it's like an hour and a half, and then it was a waste of time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, this one does not. This one looks way more complicated. Uh, I think I saw another one where Dakota Fanning played somebody who, you know, she was autistic, mildly so. And she'd written a Star Trek episode. And then there's a contest. But she. What the hell are you even talking about? Have you ever heard of this
0: movie? No, this makes no sense. Yeah.
1: And so she goes on an adventure. She escapes from the halfway house that she lives in so that she can get the script to the studio on time. watch. All these insane, stupid complications that would never happen to anybody ever happen so that they can have a movie. And it's a total independent (laughs) film. And, you know, and Dakota, I'm sure. Then I started thinking about the people that must have been on the set for that. And they're like, oh, my God, we have Dakota Fanning. She's going to be great. And she's like a big, you know, C plus star. And she's going to be the lead in this movie. And oh, boy. And it's just these movies where they're just strung together, um, you know, and some independent, I don't know how these independent people get the money to make these movies in the first place.
0: It's making me want to watch this movie now.
1: Well, you can see it, I think on Hulu.
0: Yes. Oh, it is on, a, it's on yeah, Hulu. Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: yeah. I get what it's called. It, look, it, it was somewhat cute. It wasn't so torturous. I couldn't get through the whole thing. Right. But it was pretty laughable. But then I was like, I'm not going to even suggest you watch this so we could have a, so we could make a segment on the show because you'd just be mad at me afterwards. <laughs> that's how that's the respect i have for you how about this new emma movie yeah well you go ahead and spend twenty dollars on it and give me your I'm,
0: I'm i'm just telling you i'm that's another example of one i'm not spending twenty dollars on
1: uh you know there's you don't watch saturday Night live ever right not anymore okay well they they, they did an <laughs> yes. episode this weekend where they are all did stuff from their home oh i didn't see that Oh, yeah, it was, it was it, without an audience, it wasn't that funny. Right. But there's a couple of mildly amusing segments. Well, there's this one character that this uh, performer on Siren Live, Heidi Gardner, plays, where she's this teenage girl who uh, reviews movies. Uh-huh. And she usually does it on the news. Right. And instead, it was a segment she did from her home, you know, video cam to all her peeps. Right. And... She talked about this. She's been renting those $20 movies. <laughs> and then she's like, I saw this movie, Emma, but, you know, the problem was it was like a really big ripoff of Clueless. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty
0: funny. <laughs> that is pretty funny.
1: Uh, I guess it's like another, like, Little Women, where how many times are going to remake this Emma thing?
0: <laughs> exactly. Just keep. And, and the funny thing is, I just went through, like, three months ago, went through, a, cl- watched Clueless and the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma, like, back to back.
1: And I like the Emma one. I like them both. Um, I like them both. Yep. So, you know, but I do like the, what, the Anna Tyler Joy or whatever her name is, the one from The Witch. Oh, yes, yes. She plays Emma. Oh, okay. That's the big draw, baby. Um. Anyways, guess what? That's not what we were going to talk about. Today. <laughs> guess what time it is. Okay, it's time. time for the 90s. Yeah, you you had the lead-in and then we went off on a
0: different- <laughs> I was trying to get us right into the topic. No, but you actually- it's your fault.
1: You had the rant. Uh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, and I actually when I edit this and I play it back, I realize, I'm like, oh, where did we go wrong? And I'm like, and time and time again, it's your fault. Yeah, it's always my you fault. you decide that you want to take a segue.
0: <laughs> okay, well, segue us back into it now.
1: Well, so about the 90s. Oh, oh, I know. Academy Awards. Yay. Yay. Uh, so this is an interesting decade as I, as I printed out and re-looked at all the movies. Yeah. Um, and in true Academy of Fashion... There are some great films of the 90s that you're going to find nowhere near the list of the movies because yeah. a lot of the iconic films of a particular year in the 90s didn't make the Academy's list. And when you find out what did instead, it's a little bit of a shocker.
0: Yeah. And I have to say before we get going here, the 90s was probably the decade in which I saw the most movies movies in the theater. Uh, so I saw a lot of movies in the nineties. And so I'm just I'm gonna that think
1: that you've seen most of these and maybe one or two. You haven't, there's probably
0: a couple that I haven't, uh, but I've probably seen most of them.
1: I think you're going to find that just, just knowing when, when you've had conversations, I bet you've seen most of these. Yeah. Um, now I will say that I don't have like a list handy of what I thought was the top 10 films of that decade.
0: Right. Okay.
1: But I will say that, a large, at least half of what my list would be, made the cut as far as movies nominated for Best Picture. Oh, okay. In a decade, yeah, they they did get a, They usually got it right as far as nominating. Right. Very rarely, in my opinion, did they get it right.
0: Yeah, and uh, this was also a decade in which I watched the Oscars every year.
1: And me, I've watched them every year since that. That first time when my parents caught me <laughs> watching it, my
0: I, uh, I have not watched them every year. I took a
1: few years off. I know you have, yes, uh, but I've had to tape them because I've had jobs and things where, right, uh, right, you know, I had this one guy. He invited me to his wedding. And when, when is it? It turns out it was on Oscar. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell, man? And then of course, like a couple years later, they got divorced and I'm like, you know, did, did we it? really have to miss the Oscars for that? <laughs> That's how I roll. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Okay. Let's get
0: going here. Okay. 1990.
1: Here we yeah. go. All right. This is, I don't even know how I'm going to, which way I should read this up, but I'll just read it from the, I like to just start with the winner because yep. it's on the top, but the winner that year was Dances with Wolves by uh, director-auteur Kevin Costner. <laughs> Man,
0: that movie, uh, people loved at the time. It was a huge hit. Everyone was talking about it. And very I would say pretty soon after that, by the end of the decade anyway, the movie had a terrible reputation.
1: Here's my recollections of the movie. Uh, first of all, if I'm correct, I know I saw this in New York City before I went home for Christmas break, and Me too. I saw it alone. I thought you saw it with your dad when you went back to New Hampshire. I saw it twice because I because re- I know I didn't see it with you. And why did I didn't didn't see it with you? Is because you thought that movie was going to be terrible. Yes. And why did you think that? Because <laughs> everybody thought it was going to yes. be terrible. Yes. It had such a bad rap. People were like, this guy's made a 3 hour and 15 <laughs> minute movie about a guy who goes off to live oh. with Native Americans. It, it just it was like the the trailer for it looked horrible. Yes. It looked like a guy's folly and that this was going to be the the destruction of Kevin Costner. Yes. But I say that because that whole narrative played into when it comes out and it was a good movie and a lot of people just love it. They call it like, you know, sort of a, a reinvention of the Western. Yeah, yeah. A reexamination of how we – our relationship with uh, Native Americans on film and it, and it was. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: So it was, a, it was a big deal but I think because people thought it was going to be so terrible that – it sort of made it even better than it really was.
0: Yes, exactly. It, 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 and because I, I, when I saw it, I kind of loved it, and over time, I've loved it less.
1: I have seen the movie from beginning to end one whole time, maybe twice. Yeah. And the one time was in the theater, and then I watched you know chunklets right. of it several times. You know who loves that movie, or at least he used to, was Bill from Queens. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. So anyways, that was your winner. And yeah. it, and anybody that would tell you differently, it wasn't on around that time or it's been forgotten. It was pretty much a done deal.
0: Yeah, it was pretty much a lock. Yeah.
1: It was good. It was the odds on favorite to win. Yeah. And people might who are younger than us might be surprised when they hear the rest of the nominees that it really was. But here we go. The movie. And I don't think this is a film that's very good. It has parts, but then it kind of just peters out towards the end. So I'm surprised that it was nominated for Best Picture was Awakenings.
0: Uh, wow, I had forgotten that kind of nominated. That's not a great movie.
1: No, I think part of it is, but then it just kind of, uh, and it's uh, directed by Penny Marshall and this was another year where the female director was not nominated, not nominated
0: for. for direction. Okay. Right. It, it's it, it's just it, that movie to me is like a lot of Penny Marshall movies. It's kind of corny and sappy.
1: I watched it again for the first time in many years, just a couple of years ago. And I remember kind of enjoying it. And then suddenly by the end of it, it's like, oh. That's that's it. It's oh, over. Wow. Okay, okay, yeah. And so I felt like, I was like, oh, this is exactly the same feeling I had when I first watched it. Um, <laughs> and I remember at the time, it kind of was one of those submitted for the Academy, year-ending, probably played in L.A. and New York. But I was home for Christmas break, and I was working at the movie theater during my breaks. And it came before I returned to New York. So I saw that, like, opening night, like, midnight show when we were done with the ushering and stuff. We would go to the midnight show. And thought, well, okay, it's all right, but it's not.
0: Uh, let's keep going. I don't want to spend the whole show talking about awakening.
1: Hey, we can go in whatever
0: direction you want to.
1: <laughs> Sometimes we do. <laughs> okay, well, In Penny Marshall's Place is a movie that I thought at the time was a better choice. Yeah. I've maybe seen the movie twice, and I don't think it's aged very well. I think for a lot of reasons it's not aged very well, but it would be uh, Barbette Schroeder's Reversal of Fortune. Yeah, that. <laughs> Again, I
0: like I liked it when I first saw it, but you're right; it has not aged very well.
1: And I don't know if you remember this trivia. You and I saw that film yes in the daytime, opening day, with my old pal from NYU. Uh, he's not with us anymore, uh, but he was a, was a great guy. Was Mike Nuzzo? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, we, it was just weird that he wanted to see that movie. And uh, I think he was like, come on, dude, Barfly was great. We should see this movie. He was always very enthusiastic for, for weird reasons. Yeah. But, but yeah. So again, I think it was the Jeremy Irons performance is what made that movie kind of, you know, special at the yes. time. Uh, but anyways, that got nominated for best director, uh, but not best picture. Right. Okay. Here's another film. And this is to me, it's embarrassing that it's nominated for Best Picture, <laughs> but it is a it was a great movie, box office sensation. I remembered I, I worked at the theater during the summers and the and breaks. And when this thing came out, it exploded. And I thought this movie was going to be a turkey as well. And uh-huh. then my friend and I had to go see it because it was like, I'm like, you're not going to understand that like, people are <laughs> lining up for this thing. We got to go check it out. And then the critics are actually saying it's good and it's funny and it's got all these like different things. Was Ghost. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think I like Ghost less because it was nominated for Best Picture.
0: Right, yeah, me too. But it's actually a pretty good movie, I gotta say.
1: It is. It is. It's not is it a movie that should be nominated for Best Picture? No, I
0: wouldn't I wouldn't say that, but it you know, it's uh the screenplay is considered one of the like hits all the beats perfectly kind of scripts. Like if it you does. want it does not age well.
1: It's but it's a very realistic story about ghosts.
0: Yes, it is, and it's and
1: it's. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs>
0: um, but it's it, it's an enjoyable movie. I just yeah, not best picture.
1: I liked how some people that were trying to critique the sort of um, the physiological properties of the ghost where they <laughs> right. where they couldn't touch things or whatever. But why weren't they falling through the floor? I'm like, right. you're you're going on a weird direction <laughs> with your critiques of this movie. Um, but not surprisingly, it did not win. A nomination for best director. Yes. Okay. Instead, we had an. Int- this is interesting because again, it just shows you the directors' uh, club at the Academy, which which nominates for director. Right. Um, they everybody gets to pick your choice when it comes yeah. to the final ballots, but they nominate, and they're, they're a small group, so it's interesting what they look at and yeah. say is the best director. And this is an odd one because it was one of these real scams where they literally released it for one week in the theater.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: In New York and L.A. But it was like, this is like a weird scam that I only knew about because of going to school in New York. Yeah. Sometimes a movie would literally be released for one week to qualify. Then they would pull it. Yep. And you wouldn't be able to see it. And then they would re-release it like in wider release in February or something. Yes. They did that with this movie and, and it didn't always pay off. Yeah, because
0: sometimes it it wouldn't get the nods from its one week, and then it would have to come out in February with no
1: Oscar buzz. Yeah, because then it would look like, oh, it wasn't that good. Right. And I remember trying to see this movie uh, when it was in its one week run with this girl that I knew from NYU, Jodine, and it was all sold out, so we couldn't go. But yet when it came back... A couple of months later, or a month and a half, whatever it was, and it was after break and everything, we went back and we saw it together. Um, And that was uh, British filmmaker Stephen Freer's The Grifters. You were a big fan of that movie at the time. No, 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 no. You were a total non-fan of the movie. Yeah. I remember you didn't like it. and I didn't like it, yeah. I was so excited to see it. And I left the theater feeling a little bit let down. Yeah. Thinking, I don't know, why did it get nominated for Best Director and Best Actress and Supporting Actress? It just, I don't know, maybe I didn't get it. So there was this thing where you and I... Uh, I, I, This story is too long to tell, but we were working on your cousin's <laughs> we're, film. We're
0: going to be at 1992 before uh, when <laughs> well, we're okay. done with well, this episode. Well, there are some yeah.
1: years that we won't have a lot to say, but this year we have a lot to say because it's <laughs> the year we live together. So we... If you recall, maybe, we were working on Your Cousin's film, and I think it was this period where the movie got shut down it for It got a few shut weeks, down for
0: a few weeks, yeah.
1: And we were hanging out with the casting directors, uh, yes. Sheila Jaffe and uh, Georgian Walken, right? I yep. got those right. Yep. And for whatever reason... They, because they were like, had, they were academy membership, or at least Georgian was. She yeah. she had passes to go see these movies. Exactly, yeah. She wanted to see the Grifters. And it was this weird thing where I know you didn't really want to see it, or maybe you did want to see it because you, you you hadn't seen it yet. And yeah. I didn't really want to see it again, but we weren't going to say no to them. Right, right, right. So we actually saw the movie with them. <laughs> That's right. And I, so I saw it a second time in the theater, even though I wasn't a big fan. But then here's this weird thing. There's just something about this movie. And I couldn't pin my finger on it. And one of the, you know, probably that summer when I was home for break yeah. before my senior year, my friends and I, we would rent movies. Well, they wanted to see The Grifters, and we rented it on video and watched it again. So I saw it like a third time. And over the years, this is one of these movies, when it's on, I'll watch. Okay. And then most recently, and I think it might still be available on Criterion, they were doing something on, like, con artist movies. Right. They had it on there. And just a couple months ago, I watched it again. I've seen this movie at (laughs) least 10 times. It is fantastic. Really, It is such a great movie. And I feel like at your age now, you appreciate the adaptation and okay. you'll also because you're i don't want to say you're grown up but there's some little nuances and stuff about horse racing and stuff that i just didn't know about right right the, okay. like i didn't really understand what angelica houston's character was doing
0: okay Interesting. i do
1: now and so that plot makes a whole heck of a lot more sense Okay. Yeah, and I also understand like the long con, the short con, and the long con. Because now you've watched
0: a bunch of David Mamet movies.
1: Well, I'd seen him before, but it was just that it was just Annette Bening. What her character was doing to the John Cusack character made a lot more sense. Okay. Plus, it's also a film that it's kind of a bummer movie. So when you watch it for the first time and you don't know the story. you're kind of bummed out. It is a bummer. Yeah,
0: that's but when a good you've point.
1: Seen it millions of times, <laughs> as you have. <laughs> yeah, you end up really you because you know what the story is. You know it's not going to change, and so you really watch and you really enjoy the performances and even John Cusack's sort of understated performance. So right. it's a, and then you realize it's actually a really, really well directed movie.
0: Okay, and it is on Criterion now. I believe it, so. It, it's yeah, still it on is. Now. It is. I just looked it okay. up. Okay. So. Yeah, if people want to check it out, it's on Criterion.
1: Okay, now here's a movie I have not repeatedly checked out because the last time I tried to watch it, it's just so horrible. And <laughs> it is not, I mean, there's only one reason, one reason only why it was nominated for Best Picture. And it was really because of the legacy and trying to preserve the legacy and not wanting to admit that it was an utter failure, and that's Godfather Part Three. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah how did, what wow yeah yeah and, and and coppola was nominated for best director what yes oh man i can't make it up sir that is just not a good movie no and you know what's funny because we had just had a, a conversation on our last episode about sofia coppola i, I yeah. enjoy her as a director i mean horrible actress a horrible actress i don't blame her uh she was put in a bad position but she, and it's always unfair. People always say, "Oh, well, you should know they shouldn't blame her for the movie's failures." But she is so bad yep. that the what he's trying to do in the the film. It all hinges on that particular character and the performance yes. being successful.
0: And the performance is a failure.
1: And originally it was supposed to be Winona Ryder and, you know, she dropped out for whatever reasons. Right. And so, I mean, you think about the kind of actress that she was at the time and she would yeah. have been great. So, you know, who knows? But it should not be nominated for Best no. Picture. It really is not that good a movie. And I wanted to reevaluate it a few years ago, and 15 minutes in, I'm like, "Oh, I can't."
0: Yeah, yep. <laughs> I, I I think I had a similar experience a little bit longer ago, but yeah, I I didn't, I couldn't finish watching it.
1: Now, here is the reason why Dances with Wolves it took a beating over the years. Right, it wasn't because it wasn't good or its own. It's because it won Best Picture, and this film did not. It won Best Picture and not Goodfellas by Martin Scorsese, which is just obscene. I mean, there's no con- in those five films. I just
0: th- no, there's no contest. And Goodfellas is a, a classic. At it's this a masterwork. It's a masterpiece. It's but it is a classic at this point. It's it, it, it's you know, it's up there with like uh, the great films, uh, great American films of all time.
1: I've literally seen this movie. I, I mean, I don't know exactly. I haven't counted. Oh, I can't count. It has yeah. to have been. It has to be at least twenty times.
0: Yeah, and I, I saw it two or three times in the theater.
1: I watched it recently a few months ago. My oldest got to watch it, and the only reason why it seems a little bit dated is only because what's come since. Right in the past, what. 30 years?
0: All the movies that were influenced by
1: Goodfellas? It's so influential. Yeah. And that's how good it is. And so it was definitely uh, if it wasn't my favorite film of the decade, it was right up there in the top three. So... Yeah. So to me, there's just no... Dances with Wolves, whatever. Goodfellas is far and away the best film in 1990. Yes, far and away. Okay, hey, 1991. <laughs> We're moving right I think I think, this, I think that year, see, the year afterwards, you left New York. Yeah. So, a lot of these films, which really came out at the end of the year or in the summer, we weren't really talking yeah. about them. So, one film that was out... When you and I were living together. Yes. Monster sensation. Now, it's very rare that in the Academy's most of its history, that if a film came out in the first part of the year... That it would be... Even nominated.
0: Even nominated, yeah.
1: Rarer still that it would win. Yes. This is an exception. This movie was a sensation. Yep. It, It was actually supposed to come out Christmas before, and scheduling conflicts, they pushed it to the winter. So immediately at the time, anything that was in the winter... Back then, it seemed like it would be a bad movie.
0: Exactly, and yeah, that's where you would dump stuff so it uh, wouldn't compete against Oscar stuff.
1: If you want to talk about a movie that was on everybody's lips, everybody's talking about it, it was all the rage. It is your winner for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best yep. Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Only happened a few times ever in Academy Award history. That is Silence of the Lambs.
0: Yes. And this is a movie uh, I've taught. So I know it kind of inside and out. Uh, I've seen it probably 30 times. And... uh, it's great. It, uh, it rewards repeated viewings. It holds up. It is, it, 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 has aged really well, actually.
1: I remember when I finally saw it, everybody and their brother saw this movie yeah. and I, for whatever reason, I kept on missing out. So like your parents came to town.
0: And we went and saw it. I saw it with my parents for the first time. Yeah.
1: And we were at a, we were at a dinner or probably bona fides because <laughs> yeah. we always ate, but we were running late and, you guys were all rushing to the theater and i was invited but yeah. i st- opted to stay back just because i this was this is another one of my picadillos i was concerned we were going to miss some of the movie and right. i didn't, i never liked to miss the movie but as it was you guys got in but you guys i think were like in the front row or like separated yeah we
0: we did not have great seats i remember it was pretty terrible seats
1: And then, uh, it was such a sensation, my boss in the photo department at NYU, he, one night, he was taking everybody, like, let's all go to the movies and see Silence of the Lambs. And I don't remember the reason why I said no to that,
0: (laughs) but I didn't go. So, like, I missed it. So,
1: I was, like, when we had spring break and when that movie that we were working on got canceled for, like, a few weeks, I went home during my spring break and I saw it with a friend then. And I thought it was so intense. Yeah. And now, you know, once you know what's gonna happen, it the intensity part is gone and that's part of the fun of the movie. Right. Besides that though, it's it really is a textbook flawless movie. Like you can't go and say, Well, this is there's there's some problems with it. I don't think there's a single problem with the movie. I saw it in the last year again.
0: Yeah, it's it it does everything right and it just works on so many different levels and really uh, you know one thing he does in the movie is that for close ups he has people looking into the camera
1: yes the way he we talk fujimoto the uh, cinematographer yes. photographs that movie is amazing
0: yeah the close ups and i and i would argue there's still a lot of intensity between their scenes with each other of course Oh, man, even the end still gets me like uh, it's a
1: great it's a great sequence It's a
0: great sequence. It still gets me. One thing that I absolutely love about this movie is her as a woman in a man's world. Yes. And there's this great scene where they're doing an autopsy. Oh, I love that scene. Basically, she clears all the men out of the room. And Scott Glenn helps her with this. But but it's this moment of like, wait, this woman is more of an expert than all the uh, all these men? And there's a shot of her in the elevator in that sequence where she's sort of in the center of the frame and small and surrounded by all these tall men. And it's just, visually, there's this whole theme of her as a woman in this world that's not really in the script, but works out visually.
1: Yeah, Jonathan Demme, again, he won Best Director and, yeah. you know, it was it was the best thing he ever did.
0: And, yes, it was absolutely the best thing he ever did. Yeah.
1: I, I, I can't say that wasn't worthy, uh, especially where I, I don't know if I was like as enthusiastic about any of the other choices that right. year. So the other choices uh, was and this didn't get nominated for best director, but I can understand why. And it's a rare feat anyway because it had never happened before was the animated feature beauty and the beast was nominated oh yes that's right that
0: that was also a huge sensation that was like the return of disney after
1: 20 years it started, it was like a buildup because the year before... Was it Little Mermaid? So that started it. But then uh, Beauty and the Beast was this Disney of old, but then all yes. new. And I remember seeing that right before I went home for Thanksgiving that year. I went and saw this with a girl that I knew from... She was big in the animation department at NYU. Yeah. And... You know, we'd heard nothing but, like, good things because it had debuted in an incomplete form at, the, like, the New York Film Festival. Oh, okay. And so it was playing in New York and L.A., like, exclusively for a few weeks before it hit wide. Right. We, we went uptown and saw it in 70 millimeter, and, I mean, I walked out of that film so blown away that when I came back at Thanksgiving, I was telling everybody, yeah, listen, yeah. there's this animation movie. You <laughs> have got to see this Beauty and the Beast. And I've seen it since, And it never had the same magic that it did with that 70 millimeter performance where the the, the colors are so lush and lively and the sound, it was just, you know, it was great. So, I mean, I had no problem with it actually being nominated for Best Picture that
0: year. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. It's funny, my, uh, my kids like the live action version better. Oh,
1: hated that. (laughs)
0: i don't i don't think i saw the whole
1: thing but this is my problem with all those new live action disney they're horrible i I don't think we've talked about how my wife and i made it through 10 minutes of that aladdin it's abhorrent
0: i made 10 minutes of aladdin too i don't think i ever told you but i may have gone even 15 it's
1: horrible it is one of the most abhorrent things i've ever seen
0: yeah it was just yeah (laughs) it was terrible i couldn't
1: uh, there was this thing with a guy who plays Aladdin was talking about how this movie's a big smash and I haven't been offered a single role. Well, well dude, you're the worst <laughs> actor I've ever seen. In 10 minutes you were so terrible. That's why you don't have any roles and nothing else other than the fact that you are a terrible actor. <laughs> He turned me so off of that. When yeah. they did the, you know, the, the bread line, two steps, the head of the breadline. Right. It was so bad. And every way that Guy Ritchie movies are bad, it was yes. that times
0: 10. And you haven't even seen the worst of Guy Ritchie.
1: <laughs> we haven't done a whole retrospective. We're, we're, of the we're doing a Guy
0: Ritchie episode. You know, I'm telling you,
1: I actually kind of wanted to see that movie that came out in the winter there, uh, a couple of theaters, but you know, maybe for twenty dollars <laughs> on demand, I can check it out.
0: Yeah, you can definitely. Uh, all
1: right, moving along, uh, instead of the uh, director for Beauty and the Beast was our friend. Well, he's not our friend, but uh, we were gonna. We've been <laughs> we've been teasing uh, each other about a, uh, a Scott off uh, Ridley Scott oh, yeah. Thelma and Louise. Okay. Yep. That was another movie over the summer. It was a huge topic of conversation.
0: It was a sensation. Yeah. It absolutely was. People went nuts for that movie.
1: The woman road movie. And, uh, yeah, you know, it kind of it, women as antiheroes, which you did yes. not get. To, like that may have been the first one, right?
0: That may have been the first one. Yeah. It was groundbreaking in a way.
1: Yeah. Didn't get nominated for best picture, but, uh, uh, another movie I haven't seen in years. I've saw it a couple times in the theater. Really liked it is Barry Levinson's Bugsy. Oh
0: yeah. I saw that at the time. Haven't really seen it since. I thought it was okay. I remember not loving it, but also not hating it and thinking that it was, I remember thinking it was a little bit like it never quite took off for
1: me. It took off for me. And then I think it lulled. Okay. But I liked it, and I liked it more the second time I saw it. I know who, you know who I uh, hated it, I think, at the time was Bill from Queens. Oh, okay. And maybe he'll hear this episode and he'll write me back. He'll be like, <laughs> he'll be like Jimmy, I didn't like that movie. Um, now, this is the film. I think this is the movie that people thought if Silence of the Lambs didn't get Best Picture, this might have. Yeah. And I haven't had an interesting journey with this movie over the years where I just loved it. I love the technical Aspects of this film and I actually think that's its crowning achievement is the technical. It's one of the greatest edited films I've ever seen. And it also has some of the most innovative cinematography of a movie I've ever seen. And those are the two things that live on. However, in my own weird obsessions (laughs) with this film, a year or two ago, I watched the director's cut of this movie Uh and it was another director's cut where the scenes actually made the movie worse. Yep. And it's also a film that I've had an interesting sort of reversal thought on, which I'll get to in a second, and that is good old Oliver Stone's JFK.
0: Oh, wow. You're absolutely right about the technical aspect. Really, yeah, the changing film stocks, the yeah, the editing, everything. On the technical level, the movie's kind of amazing. Also, it was also a, a sensation.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it caused a whole bunch of conspiracy theorists to come out of yes. the woodwork on the JFK yeah. assassination. But here's the funny thing. When I watched it a couple of years ago, as a grown-up, I mean, I was like, yeah. you know, I was 20, 20, not even 21. No, no, when I was 21 out. at the yeah. time when it came out. So I was 21, but now, you know, the tender age of uh, 49 (laughs) and watching it, like I said, a year ago or so, I was struck by the fact that Jim Garrison, the way his portrayal by um, Kevin Costner, he's treated as if he's a total Looney Tunes in the movie. By, by everybody else right? and and even in the extra scenes i think it's reinforced even more but i was left the impression that yeah he's looney tunes <laughs> right. and that this is way over top and that these conspiracy theories make no sense and that, that a lot of this is just hokum but it's so well crafted that it was at the time right. when oliver stone was sort of selling his version but when you just make up stuff And a lot of facts and things to make a movie, it might be really cool, but it doesn't lend (laughs) itself anymore. So I actually feel that over time, his case that he presents with JFK is weaker than it was in 1991.
0: Uh, I can (laughs) see that. I can see that absolutely being the case, especially since, like, I read Vincent Bugliosi's book on the Kennedy assassination. Really? Yes.
1: That's kind of cool. He's, by the way, for anybody that doesn't know, he's also was the leading investigator um, or prosecutor uh, in Helter Skelter, right? Of the Manson yes, murders. And the he, Manson wrote, and he wrote yeah. Helter Skelter.
0: Yeah. So he wrote a book about the Kennedy assassination. He basically put to rest all the conspiracy theories.
1: Anyways, it was it's a fantastic work of fiction.
0: <laughs> yes, it, it is a fantastic work of fiction. And it's massively entertaining, I think.
1: I don't think Oliver Stone's ever been the same again. Like, that was his best. Um, As far as his technical achievements. And it was all downhill from there.
0: It it has been all... I'm trying to think if there was anything he snuck in there maybe that...
1: Well, you know what? Natural Born Killers will have its discussion. It was certainly very provocative. Yeah. The next... This is is interesting. Because this film, there was a lot of debate on this movie too. It was a... I guess it was somewhat of a hit. It was noted for being a big comeback movie for this one particular actor. The director... Was snubbed, did not get a director nomination, and there was a lot of controversy about that. However, I don't think there was any controversy. This movie should so terrible that it should not have even been nominated, okay? And that was Barbra Streisand's "The Prince of Tides."
0: Never seen it.
1: Now I feel like I have to see it again if it ever comes. I think it, you know right. I think Criterion's doing a a, re- a Blu ray release of it, which means it might show up on their site. I might rewatch it. I look, I saw this movie with a couple of my friends. And we saw like a midnight show because again I was working at the movie theater at the time and <laughs> oh, it was man, like during right. it was during Christmas break, and we weren't drunk or anything. We were just giddy, right. and the movie was so terrible. We started basically Mystery Science Theater three thousand <laughs> in this film, and we were so loud and so obnoxious that I'm surprised people didn't complain. And so we would just tearing this movie apart the whole time. Yeah. But my biggest problems with the movie is the direction itself because Barbara Streisand miscasts herself as the psychiatrist the love interest of nick nolte and it is so unbelievable nick nolte's characters all right in the movie right but she truly single-handedly ruins the movie with her performance and if she can't make the right decisions to cast somebody else in the movie then then her direction is that's just one of many bad decisions she also casts her son playing her son in the movie Oh, i remember that yeah and he's terrible Really, it's sort of like a duo of terrible <laughs> performances. Uh, so lots of bad decisions. So I was shocked that this movie was even nominated for Best Picture. And so when the whole thing about well, Barbara Streisand was robbed, no, no, she wasn't. As a matter of fact, <laughs> no. the person who did get nominated for Best Director, which was at its time, it was a it was a shocking uh, development because it was the very right. first time the Academy ever ever nominated an african-american or any any person of color uh for best director was john singleton for boys in the hood and that's the movie that should have been nominated for best picture over prince tides yeah because that was a sensation
0: that was a sensation and he never he never
1: duplicated the success he had some successes but
0: yeah he did uh and he had a couple of decent films along the way but never never on that level
1: you know that movie's dated by the way (laughs) for sure oh
0: i bet it is i haven't seen it in a long time but i Yeah.
1: When that thing came out in the theater, that opening night of that movie, that's when I knew this movie was going to speak. Every kid in town who was underage was trying to sneak into that movie. Right, It was packed. And I remember walking through and there was an energy. And we, I think, went and saw probably that midnight and and saw that. And I mean, is it one of my all time favorites? I don't know. But I can tell you that it's very, very powerful. Yeah. And it certainly would be a much better representation as a Best Picture nominee than Prince of T- it's, it's almost embarrassing that that was. That, is, that is embarrassing. Wow. Uh, you know, we've had a lot to say in these early <laughs> 90s. And I think we'll have less to say. Well, who knows? But uh, we're going to continue on until we have until you tell me we have to stop. 1992. Okay, yep. 1992. Okay. Okay. We made it to 92. <laughs> yes. Uh, and this movie, it was never one of my favorites. Uh, I'll just being con- confessed, I've seen it, actually had to see it a second time in the theater because it was a friend of mine. Matter of fact, the guy, uh, Al. Who, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it had been re-released. I think when it won Best Picture, it got re-released to theaters. Okay. I was I was still out in L.A. at the time after I graduated college. And he loved it. And I appreciated it more the second time. And I've seen it, uh, you know, on, uh, on cable or whatever when it came out. Right. I haven't seen it in years. This was another one of those films where it was there was no other movie that was going to win best picture that year and that was Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. It's really, uh, and I've seen that movie a bunch. Great screenplay, right? It's incredibly good screenplay. I think it holds up pretty well, actually. It's an important movie in westerns.
1: A reexamination, reinvention of the western, and it also, I think, what was cool about it was that it was the Clint Eastwood was demystifying his own Man with No Name character. Yes. And so that there was levels to that movie. So uh, you know, I appreciate it more than I loved it.
0: Okay I, I liked it a lot of the time, and I've liked it since. I, I yeah, I, I like Unforgiven.
1: A movie that to me does not belong in this top five. It was really not that good in my book, and I've only seen it beginning to end once in the theater. and I just was like it did not get nominated for best director was Rob Reiner's a few good men. <sighs> I didn't really think it was that good a movie.
0: It's not that good a movie. I am not an Aaron Sorkin fan.
1: I know you are not.
0: Not a big Sorkin fan. His dialogue is a little heavy handed. This movie all comes down to tricking Jack Nicholson while he's on the stand. That's like the whole movie comes down to that. And I didn't buy the trick.
1: I'm glad you said that because this is the absolute right answer. Um, that's the biggest problem with the movie, because not only of the, the whole idea of tricking him, there's a scene before where Cruz is laying out his strategy with Demi Moore and saying he's going to trick him.
0: Yes. So there's no suspense. There's no suspense. It's horrible. And then he does trick him. And it's just, uh, you know, I hate courtroom surprises in movies.
1: But see that one it wasn't even a surprise. <laughs> in my opinion,
0: the surprise is that they actually pull it off. Right. But it, but it, it, yeah, you're right. It's not a surprise. But what I mean is like things coming out in testimony in right. court that didn't already come out in deposition.
1: And yet you like the verdict. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I mean, I look, it, 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 I, I it's have on that. The trick.
1: Oh, I know. I, it's based on that, and, and it is a contradiction. It friend. annoys me in that movie too. I have to say, <laughs> okay, but anyways, uh, so yeah, so I didn't think *A Few were Good Men* shouldn't even been nominated. It wasn't nominated yeah. for best director. Um, instead, here is the film that, at the when it first came out, I thought this thing was a slam dunk to win it all, and it doesn't even get nominated for anything <laughs> except for a director, and that shocked me because I thought this was the best film of 1992 it holds up it's very dark it also was a return to form for this one director and it uh-huh. actually kicked off a second stage of career for him because this guy was all but finished and that is robert altman's the player
0: oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it did. It, it 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 set off the whole second phase of his career, which he then squandered.
1: Yeah, he had a couple of moments though.
0: You no, know, he had some good movies in there, but like Preto Porte was terrible.
1: Well, okay, yeah. So he's a guy like he he's kinda like Steven Soderbergh. Soderberg will just keep making movies and some yeah. are just the most atrocious pieces of crap and then he <laughs> exactly. ends up you know, it's funny about Soderbergh, right? There's a movie, right? You never know what movie is gonna be re examined. Right. And because of this whole COVID nineteen Contagion is being re Contagion re-examined. Is,
0: is being re examined like crazy. I've seen so many articles about it.
1: But here's the funny thing a few weeks ago, when I, I re watched it because the family yeah. wanted to see it, and all, like yeah. and I'm to, my kids were watching it. We all watched Contagion. And the one part that I still didn't like about the movie at the time, but mm-hmm. now I've re examined that because of how much of a genius move it was, was the Jude Law guy not using science, but actually teaming up with a um, pharmaceutical company to yes. push push that, like, antidote that may or may not work. It <laughs> may or may not work. And I'm work. like, and then suddenly we got our own president doing the same <laughs> doing thing. Doing the and same like, thing. Like, he's the freaking Jude Law character in his own narrative. <laughs> and I'm like, boy, see, Contagion even got that right. That there would be somebody that would, like, be touting these unproven uh, remedies,
0: uh, it's hilarious.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, how the how the player? It seemed like Hollywood didn't like it, the examination and what it had to say yeah. about it. So they did not
0: give. They did not reward the movie. I yeah. mean,
1: Tim Robbins should have been nominated for Best Actor. Yeah. Uh, the movie should have been nominated for Best Picture and screenplay and cinematography with its amazing like opening shot. And uh, so it, it, it's crazy, but. But anyways, A Few Good Men, that's where I'm saying the Academy, like, what the flip?
0: <laughs> yeah, A Few Good Men, and I haven't seen A Few Good Men, but I can't imagine it holds up well.
1: Well, you have seen A Few Good Men.
0: No, 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 I, I mean, I, sorry, I meant to say I haven't, oh, haven't seen, seen it like, in a long time. Oh, yeah, I haven't can't, seen it I can't in a long sit time. there
1: and watch that. But anyways, uh, moving on, uh, Howard's End, yep. which I actually, it took me a long time to see that.
0: Yeah, me too. But but it's a decent movie.
1: It's a decent movie and, uh, I, you know, okay, whatever. Then here's a – this is a funny one because it is a guilty pleasure. I enjoy it, okay? Whether it's just the best film of 92 right. and should have been nominated, I don't know. But uh, I like Scent of a Woman. We saw that together. I know. And that's the funny part is we got to see – I don't know whether it was me or you. We had a special screening pass. Yeah. And it was one of those... T- it was it was completed. The whole movie was complete. There wasn't like a test screening where they didn't have it finished.
0: Yeah, no, and this was like a week or two before it came out.
1: We got to go to this thing. And so it was jazz because everybody was there. But then the yeah. whole thing was at the end there was a line (laughs) and they were filming commercials one of those things where they wanted to get the
0: audience reaction commercials
1: which at the time i always thought whenever you see that that the movie must be a turkey (laughs) right (laughs) so people were like going yeah it's great but you and i get up there we
0: had a routine
1: planned. We were nonstop. It was like we were we were doing, we were pretending to be Al Pacino. We yeah. were going, son
0: of an Oscar. Hoo-ha. <laughs> 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 Just when he thought he was out of the Oscar race, they pull him back in.
1: We were nonstop. <laughs> and the people, their eyes were wide open. And I remember the woman said, well, keep going, because they're like, at the, they were like, we've been waiting for a couple of people with your enthusiasm (laughs) and i think that just made the whole movie even better because we were just we did not make the ad because i saw the ad i know we were so disappointed we're like we had all this, but i think what it was is it looked like we were laying it on too thick
0: no what what it was is that when the ad came out it was all women
1: oh they were going with that angle
0: it was all women talking about how it was how hot chris o'donnell is and stuff
1: you mean they didn't like it when you uh, threw on shades and pulled out uh, your cane and started walking around <laughs> where's my oscar <laughs> They're like, how did he get that cane and those glasses? I
0: haven't seen that movie since that time we saw it. That was in L.A.
1: Oh, I've seen it. I saw it a second time in the theater uh, when it was like in its main release. And then I saw it, you know. Bunch of times over the years on cable and video. I mean.
0: Okay. It's a movie that I'd largely forgotten about until right now.
1: He won like best actor that year. And, uh, you know, it was, was it the best performance Al Pacino ever did that he got Definitely an Oscar not. for? You know, but it was one of those, oh, we need to reward you. He was also nominated supporting actor that year for Glengarry Glen Ross. Oh, right. And I really liked his performance in that. I like that movie a lot. Now, here is the fifth nominee. And this was a sensation at the time and that is neil jordan's the crying game oh my god what a sensation it was i saw it with you but it was my second time seeing it It was your first time um and of course you know it's a movie that i think it still holds up even though when you know when the surprise is it's a great movie but you think about it now uh, the subject matter isn't so shocking
0: no but it was in 92 <laughs> it, it was in 92 but in fact you know it's in uh, looking at it in the way we look at things now 30 years later the movie is complicated and kind of potentially offensive how, how so did it, it make such a big deal out of this And that it treats it as a thing in a way.
1: I think that you have to rewatch it then. Okay. I think that that's where the conversation at the time, it was all about the reveal. Right. Not necessarily when you watch the movie, but here's the thing. When The Crying Game came out, I went home for Christmas, you know that year i was i was living out in la with my dad but i, I went back at christmas time because i was getting my car to drive it back out and the movie came out in la it had just come out before i left right and that's you know and everything would come out in la so there yeah, was yeah, a lot yeah. of talk and i remember like i just was seeing like the the print ad and oh it's getting right. all these great reviews i didn't have time to read it or anything like i said i was busy getting ready to go but i was like oh wow this movie is getting all these great reviews i like neil Jordan, I I hope, you know, I love Mona Lisa. I don't know if this would be a good movie. And I remember reading like, oh, this movie had lots of surprises. Okay. Right. I'm like, oh, great. Some like twisty turny thing. It has something to do with uh, the IRA. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay. So that sounds pretty good.
0: Yeah. Sort of a thriller. And and the trailer made it look like sort of an action thriller. I
1: hadn't even seen the trailer. Oh, okay. Okay. So before it became this sensation, I take this knowledge back with me. Yeah. And on Christmas, I go and visit a friend from NYU. Her family had this sort of open house that they do at Christmas night. Right. After, you know, the the open house of like uh, having some snacks and stuff. Right. There was a bunch of her friends from college and, and me. And then it was like her half sister or something was there. And everybody was like, well, let's go to Harvard Square because she was in, this was in Cambridge. Right. Let's go to the theater and see something. And there was like various things playing and nobody knew. And I said, I made a suggestion. I said, well, there's this movie called The Crying Game. And I just, I've heard great things about it. Great, great reviews coming out. So I know nothing about it. I can't tell you anything about it, but maybe we should just take a chance. Yeah. Most of the people said, let's do that. Other people wanted to see the Robin Williams movie Toys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Which was terrible. Oh, oh. Did you see that
1: movie in the theater? It was. Oh, I
0: saw it in the theater. And it's not just a.
1: It's, <laughs> it's it's a really bad movie.
0: It is a serious failure on every single level. But another movie that I think goes in the category of toys is Rob Reiner's North.
1: I knew enough to stay away from that. We, we're we going to have to do a, a, a retrospective of how Rob Reiner went so wrong.
0: Yeah, downhill. Steadily downhill. I mean,
1: this guy went from one thing to after that. He had, he had spinal tap. He follows yeah. that up with the sure thing. Then he... Does um, Stand by Me, yeah. And then The prince's Bride. I mean, this guy could do no wrong. <laughs> and, yeah. and it just ooh, and Misery, and uh, you know, it's just crazy. I when when Harry Met Sally. I mean, this guy in the eighties, he was gold. He was gold. Oh, but boy.
0: I think his last, oh, man. Okay, here we go down to Rob Reiner. While we're here, let's just say A Few Good Men.
1: Well, maybe that's the point. That was the movie where after that, it just all went downhill.
0: Well, yeah, I would say that The American President is watchable.
1: Oh, I like that movie.
0: Ghosts of Mississippi.
1: Still haven't seen it.
0: Oh, man. I heard I saw, it's terrible. I saw it at a test screening, and I remember filling my card out with just how offensive the movie was.
1: I don't think I saw that movie because you hated it so much. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> oh, so back to... All right, so back... So, what happens, we go in, and I think we all decided we're going to see The Crying Game. We're watching The Crying Game, and you know, if you remember the movie, it starts off a little slow. Yep, yep. Those British soldier has been kidnapped. Yep. And they got him hostage, and... A few of the people in our group, the ones that are really, like, wanting to see Toy, they left. Oh, wow. They left. They said, "Ah, this is too boring, whatever, and uh, they're going to go off, and they went and saw Toys. Ha, 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 to them. (laughs) So we're watching this movie, and then, of course, the whole big thing with, like, the raid happens, and and, uh, the soldier gets, you know, killed, whatever, and, and then I thought whoa wow that was a big shocking surprise right yeah so then the the story continues and he like goes and looks the guy's girlfriend up and you know all that then we get skip until we get to the big reveal yeah I am telling you I it's like when you know there's very few times when you go to a movie and you knew nothing about what's gonna happen right right right, right. because I knew nothing about this film I really wasn't looking at that character as a transgender person Character, You know, we didn't even really talk about right. transgender at the time. And plus, I'd seen, you know, like Mona Lisa and uh right. you know, his character, interesting acting choices at the time. Right. So,
0: you just saw it as a development in the movie. Yeah. As opposed to a huge surprise.
1: When that reveal happens. Teal, there are a few moments that I've ever been in a theater with the shock. Right. The audible shock and gasp. gasp yeah, and people were knocked out there was about five minutes people were hooping like it was excitement like oh my right. god we just they pulled the wool over on us it wasn't just me that didn't right, expect right, it right. nobody did and from that moment on the movie was just a roller coaster because yeah. we were experiencing something that we just didn't and of course now we wanted to tell everybody to get to see it but not tell them but why not to,
0: well and And then even the advertising, you know, don't
1: give away its secrets was that became the campaign. Right. Yeah. And and of course, by the time you went to see it, it got nominated. And this was the big thing is that the nomination gave it away. It gave it away. Jay Davidson, um, who wasn't an actor, never really acted afterwards.
0: I think. Did, uh stargate
1: yes he, yes yes uh, Jay j davis was in stargate but uh, you know, it wasn't a trained actor or anything right but it was right. great so again that was a sensational movie at the time and i don't know i haven't seen it in several years but the last time i watched it i, I thought it was just a really good movie
0: i uh, i haven't seen it in a very long time but but i remember thinking even yeah it, aside from the secret i remember thinking uh that it was a pretty solid movie.
1: Yeah. And it's just, you know, and I think about the film experiences. There's one of like, if I look at the nineties, I will never forget that time going with my friends. And what's
0: funny is that I didn't see it until after the nomination.
1: No, you, right. As soon as it got nominated, you and I went to like down to the Hollywood to like the galaxy. Theater. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are we done with this year?
1: We're done with that year. Yep. So we're going to 93.
0: Okay. Let's do 93 and then we'll wrap it up.
1: (laughs) you think. <laughs> this one actually will be quick because I don't think there's that much to say.
0: Uh huh. That's what you think.
1: The 93 best picture director wasn't going to lose. Shouldn't lose. This is one of the, I think the last times that I wholeheartedly agree with the Academy 100%. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the best film of the year. It was probably one of the best films of the decade. Uh, Schindler's list. Steven Spielberg.
0: That was 93. For some reason, I had it in my mind is later in the decade,
1: but I went to opening day in Boston when it came out to see it and uh it was the first show and i just it was a shattering experience
0: it's a shattering yeah i will say i don't like the end
1: yeah you know i knew you wouldn't yeah i forgive it for its ending because
0: i kind of can't forgive it for its ending
1: stop just stop right now
0: i'm telling you that's i that's uh, ridiculous i can't forgive it for its ending and i'll tell you why it provides catharsis, and, and I think that's the wrong move from a storytelling perspective when dealing with the Holocaust. I think emotional catharsis is not necessarily the right emotion to leave us with at the end of the movie. For me, trivialized everything that came before.
1: What part of the ending are you talking about?
0: I'm talking about Liam Neeson getting down on his knees. Uh,
1: Ah, yeah, but the afterwards, afterwards, the uh, when it goes back to color and then the the candle. But I think what that's saying is that you know the Schindler story was important because. It may have been one act, and he may not have saved everybody, and he only saved a few. But these people yeah. have moved on, and they are forming generations, and they were survivors. And that that movie is just so heavy and so brutal. But It is,
0: yeah. It's, it's, it's really just that last sequence with Liam Neeson where I feel like it's sort of putting, it's like it's the one good German and making it about his emotions.
1: Well, I don't think of him as that. I actually feel that there's a journey that. What's very hard, and I think Steven Spielberg uh, pulls off in this movie, is making him change and seeing the change in a believable way. Because um, he was just a profiteer and yeah. he had no real kind of stake in the game as far as the human toll of what no. was happening. And he has to. Experience and actually go to actually caring.
0: I understand where it goes with the character. I just think the execution of that sequence is corny.
1: I'm going to forgive it for that one part because it's a sensational (laughs) movie. And here's the thing: it contains to me one of the greatest single performances of any movie. And how he didn't win Best Supporting Actor that year makes no sense. But Ray Fiennes is one of the most um, like sensational performances playing one of the most monstrous characters I've seen. Yeah. But his performance is amazing. Yeah, incredible performance. I don't know. I'd never seen him before. It basically made his whole career. And you don't think he's ever been better. I mean, I think that is the ultimate performance. You
0: apparently haven't seen the Harry Potter movies then.
1: Another movie that's just not on Schindler's List level. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, it was a big sensation. And I remember seeing it opening day in, in Hollywood and just the audience going so nuts and afterwards realizing, oh... I didn't expect it was going to be that good. But come on, it, it's definitely dated and not so great over time is The Fugitive.
0: It's dated and not so great over the time, to- uh, over time. But you're right. At the time, it was such a great entertainment. It was, uh, and, and I still I would still say it's like it's a great Hollywood entertainment.
1: It is. But Tommy Lee Jones, who was great at it, winning Best yeah. Supporting Actor over Ray Fiennes is inexcusable.
0: Is just absurd and, yeah, that's true. But but The Fugitive is an entertaining movie. It is. uh,
1: Yep. I I mean, it definitely, it was a movie that should have gone wrong, but it went right.
0: And I will say, it's the only Andrew Davis movie that went right.
1: Yeah, he, Andrew Davis, yep. All
0: right. I I was expecting things from him after that movie and.
1: Right, right. Every once in a while, like a kind of a journeyman director makes something that's a little bit more and you expect more and you don't get it. Exactly. And here's the guy that should have been nominated for Best Picture over The Fugitive, but again, Bridesmaid, (laughs) Never a Bride, nominated for Best Director. Again, two years in a row, the only nomination his film gets is a movie that I really love, and I loved at the time, is Robert Altman Shortcuts.
0: That's a great movie. And I've – I don't know. It's been probably – 8 or 10 years since I saw it but it, it for me it held up I really liked it and repeated viewings and yeah I think that's that, that's that was Altman doing what we expected after the player
1: yeah. Like I said, this is where he's like, oh, great. I got a, I got another chance. And he didn't squander at yeah. that time. And it's so great just how he shaped those uh, Raymond Carver stories. Yeah. And he find a way to like intertwine everything and such great performances. And- such
0: great performances. Yeah. And it, it turned it into kind of an interesting commentary on Los Angeles, too.
1: That's what I liked. It really was um, an examination of Los Angeles. Yeah. I had just returned, left Los Angeles, returned to Massachusetts when I saw the film. I got to see it in Boston. And it was weird. It was a movie. It was in 70 millimeter. Uh, It was, you know, projected anyway. Right. I saw that and what was really striking about it in 70 millimeter, the sound, it was the ever present uh, helicopter sound. Yes. And in 70 millimeter, it really just stood out as it's almost its own character. (laughs) Yeah. And then that earthquake sequence was amazing too. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you wouldn't think of that particular movie being a 70 millimeter film, but it was perfect in 70 millimeter. Yeah. i like that movie a lot. Another movie that I didn't, I th- it's great. It's a good movie, but it's just, I mean, best picture shouldn't have been nominated was uh, In the Name of the Father. Wait, you don't think it should have been nominated? I thought it was okay. It was another one of those movies like where it just, it never really got me. So I've only seen it the one time. It's Jim Sheridan, the guy did Left Foot* and stuff.
0: And Daniel Day-Lewis. Yep. It got me the first time I saw Interesting. it. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it really got me. It, it yeah, I was really emotionally involved in it and really loved it and I haven't seen it since so I don't know how it holds up or if I'd like it again but yeah, yeah I don't know if it was just the circumstances under which I saw it but I really liked it and I remember just being so uh frustrated by the injustice of it and that really got an emotional reaction out of me so I, i'd like to check it out again actually
1: i've seen it a couple of times but i haven't seen it in years uh then here's another movie that probably if schindler's list hadn't come along <laughs> it would have probably <laughs> gotten nominated it would probably go to one best picture that year it was not a favorite of mine it really wasn't i've only seen it once uh uh-huh. i've seen parts but it's just i don't know it just didn't do it for me and that's okay it is uh a film we talked about last week very briefly and that is jane champions the piano
0: oh uh, yeah i like the piano
1: yeah i mean I, you know i didn't hate it yeah. i
0: didn't it didn't not like it so i saw this in uh i saw the piano in in new hampshire at a place i don't know if it's even still there called the wilton town hall theater
1: did you take a date seven times to see it
0: no no <laughs> But but this movie theater was uh, like the top the upstairs of a town hall with just like wooden folding chairs put out. Oh, that's cool. And this guy who ran it, you know, the tiny little theater in the middle of nowhere, and he would just show independent and art movies and foreign films and stuff. And so if you lived in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, you would drive 45 minutes to see these movies at this little place, the Wilton town hall theater. And I saw the piano there with a packed house. I remember being very aware of the audience in in that because part of it was because, oh wow, these are all these people who have like made the trek out to see this movie. But it, it, I felt like the audience was kind of hanging on every word of the movie and that maybe I went along with that a little bit and pulled me in. I saw once more after that, I think, on video and I liked it. I, I like the movie. Um, I think there's something about Jane Campion that's a little clinical and a little cold and she sort of examines her characters. And so maybe that maybe it doesn't quite connect because of that.
1: I don't really like Sam Neill.
0: Right. No, yeah, me neither. Uh,
1: and I didn't think that Harvey Keitel. I thought he was miscast. Harvey Keitel.
0: I can see that. In fact, I always think Harvey Keitel is miscast.
1: You know, we got to do it. we want to pin on that one because I really want to do talk about that in a weird way of this guy when he shows up. Some it just doesn't make sense a lot of times. And I'm watching the Last a,
0: Temptation of Christ is got to be the worst.
1: I'm watching this film now uh, on Criterion called Welcome to L. A. and he's in it and he's yes. got like this dyed blonde hair and it's weird and it just doesn't seem like he should be in that movie.
0: Harvey Keitel is frequently miscast. Is that it for the year?
1: No, that isn't it. There's one there's another movie and I love this movie. I've seen it scores of times. I saw it in the theater and I just to me it was my second favorite film of that year after Schindler's List. Uh-huh. And that's uh Merchant Ivory's remains of the day
0: oh yeah i remember you loved that love it you love that movie i uh i like that movie no you should love it i
1: should uh, well (laughs) you you should love it so you haven't seen it enough times
0: I probably haven't seen it enough times to love it, but I've seen it maybe twice and think it's pretty great. uh, Yeah, that's a good movie.
1: Yeah, so people should see that. Hey, guess what? If we can go one more year, even though it's way too late, maybe I'll cut some stuff, then we'll have half the decade done. Okay,
0: let's do one more year.
1: Okay, we're going to try (laughs) to go through it as fast as we can, okay?
0: Okay, winner.
1: Winner chicken dinner (laughs) wasn't gonna lose okay it was it was monster smash uh we can reevaluate it all we want but we cannot change the fact that 1994 the most popular film of the year was forrest gump yet we can't change that nope there's not much we can do about that so and it's dated terribly, but yet it's still watchable and we enjoy it, even though it's just it's bad on so many levels. So, I remember I was not
0: very aware of the movie before it came out. So, my first impression of it was a review that I read in Entertainment Weekly. Okay. And I, I don't know why I remember this so vividly. And I forget uh, who uh, who reviewed it at the time. Maybe Owen Gleiberman, I think, was writing for them at the time. But they gave it a C. Yeah. Critics knew. (laughs) Critics knew. Yeah. So they gave it a C and the critics ripped on this movie. And so I was not expecting much when I went to see it. I was expecting it to be terrible. And it was uh, it has the Zemeckis
1: charm about it. I think that's why I went and saw it was because we saw a sneak preview with my mom, um, her boyfriend and me. And we saw it as a sneak preview. And, you know, I at the time thought. I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was the best film of the year. I
0: thought it was charming. I liked, I still like the Gary Sinise character. Lieutenant Dan. (laughs) Lieutenant Dan. Um, And it was, you know, God, it's like the ultimate boomer movie, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, the big thing, the big talk, which got everybody in the theater to see it was these amazing special effects. Yes, yes. And I thought the effects were not even that great back then, but now they're just, they're really bad.
0: Um, Now they're really bad. But I have to say, I watched this movie about two years ago with my daughter. And I did the same thing with my son and they enjoyed it. Uh, She was about eight at the time and she loved it. And I understand why because it's sort of like it has all these adult things going on in it but it's kid friendly in a weird way <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like it, it's like the vietnam stuff is not so it's it, it it's not like the beginning of save it private ryan or something right no. l- l- like there there's this sort of hollywood patina on the war stuff which makes it not as traumatic for a kid to watch it, I think. Yeah, not much we can do about that movie. It's just... It's the last great Vietnam epic. It's the last great Vietnam epic. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, and here's the other thing. The reason the movie works is Tom Hanks.
1: Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's absolutely fine.
0: And he's just a, he is the charm of the movie in a way. And if you buy into his performance, you know, the rest of it doesn't really matter. Yeah, to
1: much. me, I think of Forrest Gump the way I think of Dances with Wolves is that <laughs> it had the unfortunate <laughs> distinction of coming out in a year where a masterpiece was also in the mix. Right. And if you look back, you're just like, even if you're not as big a fan of it as I am. There's just no denying the fact that the movie that should have won Best Picture that year and director is Pulp Fiction. Correct. That is the one. So, you know, that again, Forrest Gump looks embarrassing.
0: Yeah, that that is correct. And I think time has uh, borne that out. And sometimes it's not just like, oh, that was this was a better movie at the time. It's like, no, this is still a, a great movie. This is it's become a classic. And in
1: 1994, if you have to think back, if anybody even remembers what movies came out, there's really two movies that people talk about. There's actually three, and we're gonna talk about that in a minute, but people don't realize that came out in 94, so that doesn't count, but two <laughs> movies is that it's Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction. Pulp yeah. Fiction though ha- changed cinema. Yes. And so that already gives it points because when something changes <laughs> so many facets of cinema, I mean, Forrest Gump <laughs> didn't change cinema. No, but, no. but Pulp Fiction did. <laughs> um, so that to me, uh, so that that was the biggest competition, at least we think, right? When right. I look at the other nominees, I think, Pulp Fiction is probably the one that would have won if it wasn't Forrest Gump. Now, rounding it out, this is interesting. This is a movie that came out at the beginning of that year. was also, it's like a mini sensation. And this is comfort food for me. I have seen this movie, I don't know, 15 to 20 times. I love it. I don't care about its flaws. I actually think it's a great best picture choice because a comedy can be nominated it wasn't nominated for best director and i get that but it's still one of my favorites don't tell me i'm wrong because i'm not it's four weddings and a funeral
0: i'm not going to tell you you're wrong but i've only seen it once
1: i have seen this movie like 20 times
0: i found it totally charming and i totally enjoyed it when i watched it and i got caught up in it and i just never went back to it
1: saw it three times in the theater on opening run and i i like we know it was one of those that when it was on videotape i got the videotape for christmas right
0: right right
1: i watched that several times on vhs i watch it when it's a movie if it's on oh great this is on i'm gonna watch it i it's comfort food it's doritos for me
0: i'm not gonna tell you you're wrong because i i can totally see that yeah it's my
1: favorite rom-com and even though andy mcdowell is just not that great an actress in the movie There's just something about the fact that she's the one that he's kind of chasing after the movie, Hugh Grant, that is just kind of amusing to me. Yeah. And I don't know. There's just stuff about it that works. It's also, to me, touching at times at the end. And it's about friendship and it's about love. I don't know. I just love that movie. Who directed it? Uh, Mike Newell. Oh, that's right. Also directed a Harry Potter uh, installment. Um he also directed Donnie Brasco. <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah Donnie yeah, yeah. Brasco. He,
1: he, interesting resume, that guy. But yeah. it was also it was written uh, by Richard Curtis. Right. And Richard Curtis is, you know, it's sometimes it's synonymous as his, his work, whether or not he directed the movie. Right. His writing is very much has a sort of thread to it. And he was nominated for best screenplay. Okay. Anyways, uh, instead of director for that. And you can't really deny this getting a nomination for director. It's weird because which one's the best of the three? I don't know. But I think they said, well, we got to give this guy a nomination for something because this trilogy is a masterpiece is Krzysztof Kozlowski's Red. Okay, yeah. Three colors,
0: red. I don't know if red is... I think blue might be my favorite one, but...
1: I, I I think that the directorial skill of red is pretty amazing, and it definitely ties the three movies together.
0: It definitely does, yeah.
1: White's the weakest.
0: White's the weakest, yeah. Funniest of the three, but weakest. But uh, taken together, it's a masterpiece.
1: Yeah, so I look at it as that they rewarded the, the whole... Yeah. ...by nominating red. Uh, what else was nominated? Their quiz show... Robert Redford.
0: Yeah, I hate that movie.
1: You hate it? Yep. Well, that's very interesting. <laughs> you gotta you're gonna I know we're running way behind on time, whatever, but you gotta tell me about the hate.
0: I only saw it the one time. Oh. I thought uh Ray Fiennes was horribly miscast. Interesting. Could not get into his character at all. Go on.
1: I'm listening. <laughs>
0: And I thought that the movie was kind of inert. It didn't have much emotion going on. It seemed sort of clinical to me. It didn't, it just seemed flat. It, it never took off. It never got exciting. It never got interesting. And I really hated his character. Hmm. Yeah, I was not engaged at all in this movie.
1: Here's the thing. I saw this in the theater when I first came out. I was all excited to see it. I thought the subject matter sounded great and everything. Yep. I had almost the same reaction as you did interesting okay the nagging question was the critics loved this movie right and i'm like what did they see in it that i didn't see and that always gets me back to mm-hmm. see a film and i think i saw it you know again with cable and it's not a movie that has like big emotional right scene. we always talk about that right movies that really get you emotionally yeah. it's very kind of matter of fact a little clinical doesn't really get you going over the years i've come back to this movie many times watched it in full most recently yeah. a couple of years ago with my oldest okay and there was just certain things that i didn't quite get about the process of the investigations of the quiz shows at the right. time, so it also without knowing that. And again, I was only like 24 when I first saw it. Yeah, understanding more, you know, sometimes your experience, your education, your you, you see it in a different way. Yeah. Wow, I don't know. I still think that you're right in that Ray Finds might be a little bit miscast. I love Paul Schofield's character. Mm-hmm. He plays his father, and I don't want to say I love this movie. But it's definitely a movie that I reevaluated and really, really like.
0: I think I would have liked it a lot better without Ray Fine.
1: I think though that you might, again, you like the list of movies that you haven't even gotten to. Right. I don't know if you're ever going to get to it, but I'm going to tell you this is a movie that I had to give a reevaluation to. I really like it. Okay. I'm willing to uh,
0: you know, I don't I never thought it was a terrible movie. I thought it just didn't click for me because I hated his performance.
1: Now, I mentioned that 1994, there are two films that people mention. There's a third movie that is equally as famous as Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction, but you would be hard-pressed to remember that it came out in 94. And it was not a box office hit in 94. Huh. It was a bomb. And I saw it opening day because I knew. I knew the story and I was very right. excited to see it. And I loved it at the time. And it's a movie that it took home viewing video cable for people to catch up with. Right? Okay. And now it is loved in a way that I certainly don't love it. Um, <laughs> oh, well, I, do, think, uh, I think you think, you know, go guess, uh, guess, guess the No, type. no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, no. I want to see if you can get it right. Is it Lebowski? Oh, God, no, no, no. That's oh, 98. Okay. That, that movie, yeah, okay. that is another. I was an early adopter of that movie, too. But yeah. no, no, no. This is a film that I would have put on my top 10 list. I don't know if I put it best picture. Yeah. It didn't get nominated for best director, which I actually think if you were going to nominate for picture, it should have been director, especially when you hear what got nominated instead. Yeah. But we're talking about what many consider a film classic. You never know when a film classic is born, right? So this is in the uh, pantheon of film classics now. The Shawshank Redemption.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw it in the theater and really enjoyed it and thought it was great. I saw it with a old friend of ours, Johnny John. Really, Johnny? There's a guy, right? I'd love to see if we can
1: dig him up. And put dig him, him
0: up. But yeah, I saw it with him. He liked it more than I did, and I liked it a lot. But he like. Was over the moon for it. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. You're right. It was a total bomb. But now it is. Now it's be, it's somehow – it's been put up on a pedestal in this really uh, – that it's like people consider it like one of the best movies of all time.
1: I had read the story years ago and it was one of my favorite uh, short stories of Stephen King's, Reed Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. And so when they were making it into a film like Shawshank Redemption, I was like, oh, it's great. And I went and saw it with a guy who hadn't read the story so he didn't know. Yeah. What was coming. Um, So I don't know if he was, you know, shocked or surprised, but I just like the execution of the movie. Yeah. One one of the great things that the director did, the character who narrates the film, Red. Yeah. uh, By all accounts, which was supposed to be a main prison and stuff, was probably written with Stephen King, if I know him in his mind, as a white guy. Yeah. Instead, Morgan Freeman was cast. And, you know, Hollywood didn't always cast a black actor. Yeah. In a film that they could say, well, you know, a white guy would be this guy. And Morgan Freeman brings so much to that yeah. role um, and the relationship between him and, you know, Tim Robbins is so great. It's essential. It's why yeah. the movie really works is that you really love their bond. And so by the time the ending, it just feels so uh, worth it, the journey. Yeah. So it's just it's such great casting in that film. Just an incredible,
0: uh, on so many levels, uh, the word I would use is satisfying.
1: And that's the difference between like a quiz show. You don't really walk away from that film satisfied.
0: It, no, not really. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, in Forrest Gump, that gives you catharsis. Uh, four Weddings and a Funeral, I walked away satisfied. Pulp Fiction satisfied. Quiz Show's the only one that I'm like, yeah. Eh, not really satisfying, yeah. And Shawshank is probably the one where at the end of that journey, you feel most satisfied that it all worked out the way it should for these two characters.
0: So it is currently, Shawshank Redemption is currently the number one movie on IMDb. As rated by IMDb users,
1: Frank Darabont. Uh, he doesn't get a. He's a sort of a Hollywood, uh, sort of a thorn in Hollywood's side. He doesn't get to really make any movies anymore. But uh, right, he may pop up again in part two <laughs> of our uh, '90s episode because uh, we're not going to get through the whole '90s. But uh, one little note: the person who did get nominated for best director instead of Shawshank Redemption, no, Frank Darabont, and this is kind of shocking because I uh-huh. just don't think it's one of his best films. Um, And I had to see it a second time after he was nominated because I'm like, how did he get nominated? But, of course, we now know how he got nominated. was because Harvey Weinstein was a bully who wanted his movies nominated. But that would be Woody Allen for Bullets Over Broadway. That is...
0: (laughs) Doesn't make any sense, right? That makes no sense. That makes I mean, no <laughs> sense.
1: I liked it more the second time I watched it, but I'm still yeah, like he I'm got nominated for best director. <laughs> but it's a pretty average
0: Woody Allen movie.
1: Yeah. So you I mean are we talking about uh Bullets Over Broadway or Shawshank Redemption all these years <laughs> from now? No. So I mean the Academy yeah. really got it wrong there. Wow. Yeah, so to me, I'm like, Four Weddings of a Funeral or Shawshank Redemption were better directed than Bullets Over Broadway, so one of them should have got a nomination.
0: Wow, that's bizarre. Okay, now we know Harvey Weinstein.
1: He, yeah, Harvey Weinstein. He made things happen, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Geez.
0: Oh, man. Uh,
1: okay, so guess what? Uh, at some point, <laughs> we're going to get into the second half. Of that. It's funny, I didn't even have the thing I had prepared if we finished this and we didn't get anywhere near it.
0: Yeah, and we're already going on three four hours on it's this re- episode. <laughs> yes,
1: it's like beach time. It's only been... <laughs> an hour and a half but it feels much longer. I know. We'll see what I can cut.
0: Okay, so we'll be back next on the next episode with the rest of the 90s. I think
1: maybe. Well, we also have another thing that we're going to try to do. I don't know what we we're going to but do, but I that. think we
0: got to finish this up.
1: Is that what we got to do?
0: Yeah, we got to finish this up. Okay. We-
1: <laughs> Fine. Have it your way, Burger King. <laughs> 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 all right everybody hey uh, stuff we've seen.com uh, feedback at stuff we've seen.com all the good things tell your friends i mean everybody's quarantined right uh, whatever just tell people to listen to the show if they like movies and can't get out to see any <laughs> um, and if they can i want to know where they are and they shouldn't be doing that kind of thing um okay till next time there keels bye 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 <laughs>